born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. What book have we been studying? We still are. The book of Acts, chapter 13. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas started on a missionary journey. And they um, got as far as Antioch II. This Antioch is up there north in a place called Turkey. You've heard of that before. This is also in the area of what they call Galatia, where the book of Galatians was written later. But it's interesting to read this because we have already read this sermon by you know, the Apostle Peter. And uh, we also read a rather lengthy sermon by Stephen. Now we're having another sermon, but this one's by the Apostle Paul. It's amazing how they lay out their messages the same way. They always start in the Old Testament, dealing with how God made a promise, and proving that Jesus Christ coming and dying for the sins of the world was in fulfillment of that promise. So in the message that we look at tonight, it tells you the, the story about the promise that God had made. And then he gives the gospel so that people would know that now you can understand what God was talking about because Christ hath fulfilled those prophecies. And then it kind of gives you the conclusion of the matter. And the conclusion, it seems like there's always a mixed multitude. People that believe the message and those that don't believe the message. So if you will, take your Bible and look there in the book of Acts chapter 13 and beginning at verse 14. Verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was a Saturday. They were Jews, and so they were still going to the Jews. And uh, he always went to the Jew first. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, he told them, says, go unto the house of Israel. Do not go by way of the Gentiles. And so the message has been given, the command had been given to preach the gospel to everybody. But as we said before, they seemed a little reluctant to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And so they always preached it to the Jews. 
But God had to show Peter that what he had to do. The day finally came when the Apostle Paul made the statement, from henceforth, since you have put it from you, and you don't want this, you don't want to listen to the preaching of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection. He says, we're going to the Gentiles. Now, even though he went to the Gentiles, he still on occasion, he'd always stop in at the synagogue. Because, you know, they often will give him a chance to say something, as we showed you this morning. And whenever they did, he always was ready. And as you look at the message that he brought, now I wondered if the Apostle Paul had to get out of all, all of his notes, and he had all these scrolls from all these books in the Old Testament, or did you think he might have had a lot of it memorized after all these years? You know, he, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and he had, so he'd gone to Bible college. So he had studied. He knew the word. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was somebody. So there's a lot that he knew, a lot that what Jesus Christ had taught him. And so now he's got to put it into practice. And just like you and I, we struggle with the idea of doing what God says to do. It seemed like it would be so easy if, if all I had to do was just get up in the morning, you go to work, you come back home, you just do your things, and then you just go to church on Sunday and then go back home and don't do nothing, just, just do that. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's asking a lot. But see, he gets us out of our comfort zone. He says, now, I want you to preach the gospel to everybody. So you're always looking for opportunity. I have labored under that burden of doing that. For all these years. So as you read these things here, you find out it wasn't just something that Paul did occasionally. He did it all the time. And year after year after year after year, he was still at it. Just keep doing the same thing. Uh, it was Al this morning that mentioned about me retiring. I don't know as a Christian or a preacher, especially, can retire. Uh, when do you say, I'm not going to take and serve the Lord no more? You're always serving the Lord. You just may not do it behind a pulpit, but we should always keep serving the Lord until we don't have any more breath. Well, that's the same for you, too. I'm hoping that y'all will serve the Lord, and retirement is not a word. It's not in our vocabulary. It's just, uh, you mean you just don't work a regular job and get paid for, but you still got to serve the Lord. You, st you never take a vacation from the responsibilities that God's given us. So, notice what it says here in verse 15. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say, in other words, if you would like to talk to the people, go ahead. So Paul took advantage of it. He says, let me pray about it. Yes. In verse 16, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand, said, Men of Israel... And ye that fear God, give audience. Because there were occasions where Gentiles would come around and stand outside of the synagogue because they wanted to hear what was going on, curiosity seekers. And uh, evidently some Gentiles had heard what had been said before, and they followed along too. And um, you, you look over there in verse 42. See in verse 42? And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So, see, the Jews were 
in the synagogue and probably the Gentiles on the outside of the synagogue. But they, they heard, but they wanted to preach the message to them too. So he says here in verse uh, 16, Then he stood up, men of Israel. So this is the main point of his message and who he's talking to, mainly the men of Israel. Even though they were not in Israel, remember the Jews had been scattered. They were in different countries. And so Paul was going to different places and he would, they, they had synagogue set up and so they would get a chance to talk to these various people. Remember after the, uh, the Babylon captivity, a lot of the Jews that was in Babylon never came back. A lot of them stayed there. Others had been scattered in other places. And so by the time Christ had come, see, a lot of the Jews had already still scattered. That's why on the day of Pentecost, it says they came from all these various nations. Well, some of them heard the gospel, and they went back to their places. And so uh, just like whenever they talk about going to Cyprus, well, there was already some believers there. In most of these places, there were some believers there. And so um, where'd they come from? Well, it may have been on the day of Pentecost, but I don't know. I just kind of conjecture a little bit here and there. But it says in verse 16, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In other words, I want you to listen to what I have to say. And then he begins a wonderful message. And if you ever wanted to get you know, little capsules of, of the Old Testament stories and in sequence, and well, you read Peter, and you, you listen to Stephen, and you listen to what Paul said, and you almost get a, uh, a, a history lesson. And from the beginning to up to the time of Christ. He says this in verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. So he said that they came out of Egypt. They was 40 years in the wilderness. Verse 19, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. Tells you how many nations were. See, you read the Old Testament, you might not get everything and remember everything, but you get little capsules of truth. And so it doesn't give you all the details in between. But that's why a lot of time when I'm, I, I speak, I don't hit every verse or every word to get it to every little nugget. I just try to hit the highlights there's times on your own, and you can go back and read and study a lot of the other stuff. But not every preacher is the same way. You can listen to some preachers, and they like to break open every word and milk every word for everything it could say and possibly say. And it even might not say, but you're going to know what it is. And when it gets through, it'll still say what it already said. But that's the way some people are, and some people love that. That's fine. People have different ways in which they teach. I don't teach exactly the same way Dr. Hank Lindstrom speaks. He was more, you know, subdued, and I get a little bit more boaster sometimes, but that's okay. God uses different people. So you don't want to be a Hank Lindstrom, and you don't want to be a, a Yank Arnold. You want to be you, but whatever you are. God made all of us different, but he wants to use us, whatever we are, the way that he wants us to be. So he makes a statement here, and uh, verse 19, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. Various tribes got different pieces of land. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years. So now you know how long the judges ruled. Now you might go back there to the book of Judges and you read that and may never really figure it all out. But you got an idea. 
450 years, and, and the, the word until, you ought to circle that because it gives you a time limit. From something to something till prophet Samuel. And so God used Samuel and to anoint the first king of all of Israel. Why did they have a king? Because the people wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. They, they didn't want God directly, and they didn't want the judges. They wanted to have a king. So God says, you want a king? Do you realize what a king is going to do? He's going to take your men. He's going to take your women. He's going to take your cattle. He's going to take everything, and he's going to rule over you and all that. And he's going to have to tax you because he's got to... And they didn't want the freedom that they had. and Everything was working fine. But no, they wanted a king. So God said, okay, you'll get a king. So he chose the man, and he was hitting shoulders above everybody. And evidently a very outstanding type of an individual. And the Bible says, when thou wast little in thine own eyes. Now, he was a big man, but little in his own eyes. That means he was a humble man. And believed that he had trusted the Lord. And uh, talks about his new birth and so forth. And that he actually he prophesied and so on. But here he says here in verse 21, And afterwards they desired a king. God gave unto them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So you know how long he ruled. And verse 22, Now he's giving them a history lesson because of where he's going. He wants to prove to them not only does he know the scriptures, he knows the promises that were made. And he's going to have to get somewhere along the line to King David and the promises that were made to David. And then he's going to have to get into the Psalms where the Psalm says, and then he'll quote from the second Psalm. Then he'll also quote from the 16th Psalm. This day have I begotten thee. So he's going to teach them some things. And these Jews that are listening who read these scriptures every day because it says they read the law and the prophets. So where is he going? To the law and to the prophets. And then also says, and in the Psalms, that Christ would hear, he taught them concerning him. So he is throughout the scriptures. And so he says here in verse 22, when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now you and I know that David had a, a few problems, didn't he? Didn't he have a few problems along the way? Why doesn't God use perfect people? There aren't any such thing. And God said that he was a man after his own heart. And there were times in David's life, nobody, he loved the Lord. But sometimes you make bad decisions. Can you love the Lord and still make bad decisions? you got an old sinful nature. And you can lie to yourself, deceive yourself, trick yourself, all these things. And somebody else can do it to you also. Remember, it makes this statement about the devil. In chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, he deceiveth the whole world. If he can deceive the whole world, is it still possible to hear you and I, we live in here in this grace age and we know the Lord, we love the Lord, we study his word and we're in church. He can't deceive us, can he? Yes, he can. Still can. And get what he said. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God According to his promise, 
raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now he's telling them who it is. And said this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled. So then he kind of gives them a story. Because most people about this time had heard about John the Baptist and have his head cut off and so forth. So in verse 24, when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. In other words, in chapter 19, we'll tell you what the message was of John the Baptist. And that was they were to be baptized in water if they believed the preaching that he preached. And that was that they would believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ. So they were still saved by faith. Jesus didn't preach one sermon, John 3, 16. And then John the Baptist preached a message totally contradictory to it. Though they preached the same message. You see, John 3, 16 was at the beginning of Jesus' message. And what did he say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's in the third chapter of the gospel of John. This is the beginning of his ministry. And it was still by grace. All you had to do is believe. And know you have eternal life. And you read the six chapters. See, these are things that once you see them and you know them, then you know that John the Baptist did not preach a different message. It was that they still had to believe on Jesus Christ, but he preached it. And then he makes a statement here. He says in verse 25, And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Remember, that's also found in the Gospel of John in chapter 1. Because they came to him and says, Who do you say you are? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet that should come and all that? No, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And you get what he says. He says in verse 26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So you understand that whenever the church sent Paul and Barnabas, when the Holy Spirit sent Paul and Barnabas, it was that they were sent to preach the salvation. The word of this salvation sent. It was sent for a reason. So that people could hear it and understand and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And though they went from this place to that place and this place and that place, they were looking for just getting people to believe on the gospel. They were starting little fires all over the Mediterranean, all over the place called Turkey and back then Galatia and uh, Pamphylia, they also called it. So all these places where they went to preach the gospel as missionaries, starting little fires starting churches. And he made this statement to them in verse 27. He says, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because, you see that word because, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day. Well, what are they doing right now? Reading the same thing they were reading. These men that he's talking to, he's telling them about them, and they're doing the same thing they did. And they did not hear the voices of the prophets. They didn't hear what was being said. Did you know that you can read your Bible and never listen to it? And you just don't see it. 
Think of how many kinds of churches there are, how many kinds of preachers there are, and yet they read the Scriptures, they even quote the Scriptures, and cannot see that eternal life is a gift. They cannot believe in eternal security. They do not believe that once you're saved, you are saved forever. They cannot see that. And yet they talk about just praise Jesus and just love Jesus and just saved by grace. It's only by faith and faith alone. And then... They think they can lose their salvation. Well, I thought you said you were saved by grace. Well, if you're saved by grace, how come you're losing it by bad works? Duh. They can't see that. Blind as a bat. And there's people that are religious and never do see it. He's talking to some blind people today at this synagogue. He's telling them what they did. You think that's going to go over very well? Well, we're not through yet. Don't jump the gun. Don't try to look ahead. Stay with me. See there in verse 27. Because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. This is what took place in Jerusalem. Jesus was there. They condemned him, and condemning him, they fulfilled the very scriptures that they read every Sabbath day. And verse 28, and though they found no cause of death in him, no reason for him to die, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. And verse 29, and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, all, you ought to circle that word all in your Bible, because it means that everything God promised that would happen was fulfilled. Nothing was left undone. Everything he said in the Old Testament would happen concerning Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, it was all fulfilled. It happened just like they were told. Fulfilled all that was written of him. So he's also putting upon the Old Testament the stamp of approval of the inspiration of the Scriptures. Because just like when he talked in the book of Luke in chapter 24, when he talks about he opened up their eyes so they could see and understand as he talked to them about the law and the Psalms and the prophets concerning himself. He just put a stamp of approval upon those books in the Old Testament that make up the law and the prophets and the Psalms. It covers the whole Old Testament. And he says they're all true. The Old Testament is all true. And then look what he says. In verse 29, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Because you see, in the Old Testament, a man was cursed who was hung on a tree. That had to be an accursed man. In other words, you don't do that unless that person is cursed. Jesus Christ was cursed for you and I. And that's why when you read in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. It's a quote from the scriptures in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross. And get what he says here. In verse 30, you ought to underline this. But God. I love everything. People did this and people did that. <laughs> but God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you, Glad tidings. The word glad tidings is the same as good news. 
Good news is where we get the word gospel. So Paul was explaining to them the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not only that, but then he tells them why this is such a good message and such good news. And he's talking to the Jewish people. He said, be it known unto you, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. See, if God forgave you of all of your sins, there's no sin for you to pay for. And see, that's in verse 38. And then in verse 39, where he says, And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So nobody could be justified by the law of Moses. He's talking to Jews. And these are the ones who believe you can be justified by the law. They believe they were saved by the law. Because they were Jews. Look who they are. They've been circumcised in the eighth day. And they worshipped the true and living God. So they had, uh, they, they were supposed to be good to go. Uh, the only problem was they weren't good to go. And so Paul is preaching this. Now think for a moment. Do you know you have to have a certain amount of confidence that you're standing on solid ground when you tell people something totally contrary to what they want to hear? Knowing that these people could get mad and want to take my life. In America, you know the worst thing anybody does to us around here says, you know, I don't like that. Or walk away from you. I mean, who gets killed in America for their faith? How many times have you heard about somebody getting stoned, you know, because either they witness to somebody? I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but most times here in America, there is no persecution as such. We... Don't even do it because we're afraid somebody won't like us. But think about witnessing to somebody you think when you get through, they could kill me. And they're liable to do it. They did do it to John. They've already done it to Stephen. They've already killed James. You know, this isn't, this isn't something they're probably going to congratulate me on. There's consequences to their message. And you and I, sometimes we, we get away with, you know, nobody does anything to us. Makes us go to sleep. But there had to be a certain amount of boldness to say the truth when it's not the easiest thing in the world. But look what he says. He says in verse 31, And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you, Glad tidings, how that the, and here's that word, the promise. The promise which was made unto the fathers. Remember, there was a promise that God had made to Abraham, saying, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. It was a reference to the Son of God, the seed. And the promise was that the heathen would be justified by faith. The book of Galatians in chapter 3, verse 6 talks about how that by righteousness, was given to Abraham by faith, because he simply believed. But in verse 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So he's letting them know that what Paul was now saying to them was a direct 
result of the promise that God had made. He kept His word. Now, the thing that you and I, as we read this, uh, we don't have to worry about, you know, Him keeping His word because of what He promised in the Old Testament. Listen, we get from this that what God said, it's true, and that God will keep His word. Even though it might seem like it's years and years and years later, God does not fail of any one of His promises. He cannot fail. His character hinges upon the faithfulness of the fulfillment of His Word. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.